Like, I still want you. I still care about you. I still find you attractive. Like anything that shows that to our partner, but also isn't sex if we're not in the place to have sex, that can be a really good way to to kind of change and shift that conversation or sh- shift that situation so that it doesn't end in a flat out rejection. And I think we both, men and women, we need to get better at letting our partner down in a way that's more empathetic. Welcome to What I Love About Sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo, and I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Hey guys, what's up? Today's episode might sound a little echoey. It's because I have access to an office space in Manhattan and it's very high ceilings in here, not much furniture in here right now. So excuse the echo, um, but this episode is gonna be based on your questions. So definitely something you wanna listen to because these questions are actually really good from all the guys who submitted them. Um, I'm gonna read through them just like I've done in other episodes where I say answering your IG sex questions, and that's what I'm doing today. I really didn't feel good the other day, and I wasn't able to answer the majority of these questions on Instagram, so I was like, ah, fuck. And as as always, I can't answer every single question, but I will answer the ones that, that stand out to me most and that I think would benefit the majority of the audience listening to this. All right, so let's get to it. All right, first question, really good question. How do I talk about her lack of sex drive, which she says has been the case her entire life? So this is tricky because if someone has had a certain sex drive their entire life, they may have no desire, for lack of a better word, to change it because that's what they know. You know, that's all they know. Maybe they're comfortable with it. And also maybe they're not. There's also a chance they're not and they wish they were um, more in the mood and had a higher sex drive. So I think that's the first thing is when you get into a relationship with someone, don't assume that their sex libido is going gonna, is gonna to go up and increase just because they're attracted to you. That's not necessarily true. And if you make an assumption like that, you may just set yourself up for a failure by getting tied into a relationship that that doesn't grow sexually because this person has always been this way and that's who they really are and you're you're falling in love for the potential version of them not the actual version of them. And I see this a lot. I see like people fall in love with their partner and then being like, you know, but she never wants to have sex and I'll say, "Well, how often does she want to have sex?" And he goes, "Once every other week." And I say, well, what was it like when you guys first met? Was it different? Was it more like every week? Was it more like twice a week? And he'll be like, no, it was about the same. And it's like, all right, well, it sounds like she's been pretty consistent with with how she started out, you know, sexually with you. So why why assume that she's going to change there? 
And um, that's why these conversations are so important, especially in the beginning of a relationship. When you start engaging sexually, you want to find out these things about your partner so that you know where you stand, you know where they stand, and there's no judgment, there's an understanding. And then you have to ask yourself, is this something I can live with? Is this the kind of person with this type of sex drive that I can be with forever? Um, And I understand that people's sex drives change And maybe in the beginning, they were very, very active sexually and they had a high libido in the beginning. And then maybe she had kids and that totally changed. Or maybe she has a disease and that changed or some health complications. You know, there are plenty of things that get in the way. And that's why when you start having these conversations early, then it's, it's much easier to call out when you're in these predicaments, like call it out and say, okay, what, how can we work through this together? Um, and, and then it doesn't feel like an awkward thing where it's like, I'm not getting my needs met, but it feels like, Hey, how do we handle this as a team? Um, how, how is it possible for us to meet in the middle? If this is what I want and this is what you want, what do you think we should do and take that team effort? So I think when it comes to this question, how to talk about her lack of sex drive, which she says has been the case her entire life, it's, it's maybe for you to take some acceptance as to whether or not this is who she has been in her entire life and ask yourself why you can't accept it now, but you accepted it from the start. And if it's, if it's not the case where this is how your relationship started, then you really want to talk to her about, you know, do you think there's any, any chance that you would want to get help to in enhance your sex drive? Is that something you're looking to do? Is that something you're interested in? I'm really curious how you feel about, having the the lack of sex drive you you have and what if you plan on changing that for the sake of our relationship or even just for yourself like what are your thoughts so i think it's first most important to have an open vulnerable encouraging conversation in order to try your best to tackle this this as a team all right um hope that helps How to deny a sex request from your female partner as a guy without making her angry. All right, so this is interesting, without making her angry. I think we, what I really like that I heard recently was on relationship theory. I've been obsessed with this YouTube lately. It's called Relationship Theory, and it's Tom and Lisa Bilyeu. And they're this couple that talks about their, their sex life and their, their life as a couple and how they handle certain situations. And, and it, it really encompasses what a healthy relationship is. It's a great YouTube channel. Definitely check it out. And um, one of their main rules that they have as a couple together is that he can't make her feel bad for saying no, and she can't make him feel bad for, saying, for asking for sex. So they have that rule set in stone within their relationship, along with a few other rules, which I really, really like about them because they're just like, they, they always just go back to their rule book that they, they, agreed, they agreed upon for serious life situations. And it's like, they don't have to be indecisive or base it on emotion. They just go back to the rule book when they were in a very certain strong state of mind. And then they just know what to refer back to when they're in a certain predicament that's tough. Um, And I really encourage any couple to have some sort of rule around sex. 
and something like this one, but whatever pertains to your relationship, or maybe even taking this one and and going with it yourselves. But I think when it comes to denying a sex request um, without making her angry, I would never want you to deny her out of fear that you're going to make her angry. I think we it's it's better to understand to come from a place of understanding. And a lot of women, when they're rejected sexually, um, I know that a lot of women feel like they're they're not attractive or not sexy. You know, men feel the same way too, right? When men are rejected, it's like, oh, I don't feel attractive to her. I don't feel like she's turned on by me. Um, so that's a big part of it. And I think that if in that moment of sex rejection, if you can tell your partner something that makes them feel connected to you or makes them feel attractive based on what you know they like to hear, um, then that could be a really great way to, to kind of lessen the blow of the rejection and to make them feel loved and appreciated and attractive because that's, we, we want to feel wanted, right? And if we're getting rejected for sex, we, we tend to automatically feel not wanted and, um, and also not desired, but more not wanted. So when that happens, if we can do something else to provide some type of uh, sign of like, I still want you, I still care about you, I still find you attractive, like anything that shows that to our partner, but also isn't sex if we're not in the place to have sex, that can be a really good way to, to kind of change and shift that conversation or sh- shift that situation so that it doesn't end in a flat-out rejection. And I think we both, men and women, we need to get better at letting our partner down in a way that's more empathetic. There are ways to have sexual experiences without actual penetration by your partner. So I think if we can, it, we can bring in more of those sexy experiences with each other, um, they can not, not exactly take the place of penetrative sex, but make the relationship as a whole feel more comfortable sexually and feel more safe sexually, which in turn often leads to more desire within the relationship and, and, then, and then sex itself, like penetration sex, once the desire and, and safety is there. So I think to set ourselves up for for success here on both accounts in for both people in a situation like this would be, all right, how can we create more desire opportunities within the relationship so that the woman does feel more ready and the guy um, isn't getting turned down as much and there's actually more sex within the relationship. Now, I, I automatically went to giving an example of the guy who wants more sex and the woman doesn't. When this guy, originally, the original question was, how do I deny sex for my female? So this is a flip, right? It's not the most common. The most common is the man wanting more sex than the woman in a relationship. But in this case, he's wanting to deny her of sex. So going back to what I said originally, it's it's really just rejecting our partner sexually with empathy, and, and just saying, hey, babe, like, I can't do it right now, but do you want to do this later tonight? Like, do you want to go, do you want to watch a movie together later? I'm just super stressed. Like, my body's not there, but I definitely would love to lay with you and just hang out with you later if you're down to do that. What do you think? So that's a way you can go about a rejection that's empathetic and also showing that you still want to be involved with your partner in, a, in an intimate way. Um, There are plenty of examples of that, but that's the one that came to mind.
All right, so I'm gonna move a little quicker with these next questions, because <laughs> there's a lot. All right, next question, how can I bring up kinks? I th- it sounds like you've never brought up kinks before, so I would start small, and I would start with bringing up a kink. <laughs> um, so start with one that interests you most, and then ask your partner what interests her most, or what she'd be willing to try, or what she's fantasized about. Give a few examples so that she can actually tell you what she's thought about and and has examples to work with in this conversation. Um, I I think most of the time when it comes to things like this that can be very shock, can be very shocking to your partner, you want to start really small and you just want to start by asking like one question around it versus showing her a website with like all this crazy shit on it of all these ideas and then overwhelming her. Um, so really just bring up one kink that has been interesting interesting to you that you want to try. Um, communicate that you were thinking of trying it and you want to know her thoughts. And then ask her what interests, what, what kink is most fascinating to her that she might be willing to try or finds sexually appealing. So I think that's a, a great place to start. All right. Um, next question. Best position for anal sex. How to make it less painful and more enjoyable. Um, I would say the most comfortable position for anal sex is... Okay. So I, I think with her on her stomach is the best way to go about it. And it's a matter of using a ton of lube. It's a matter of her trusting you and you going super slow And I think that that's what will help to make it most enjoyable. Plus, she can put her hand on her clit and rub her clit or use her vibrator under her and just put it there and she'll just lay on her vibrator. Like there's, at least like that's what I find to be the most um, pain-free and pleasurable and easiest to get started with. It just feels, it feels safer than other positions because it feels more controlled since like, her legs would be together, you know? So, um, so yeah, I would start there and more importantly than anything, like communicate during it, communicate, communicate. All right. Next question. This one's good. How do I ask about how bad our sex life is without offending her? All right. If your sex life is in a bad place and you want to discuss it with your partner, which you definitely should, if this is the case, I would say that starting out with something you enjoy about your sex life, if anything, is a good way to start that conversation. Um, But you can also, if there's nothing good about your sex life at this point in time, then you can also just bring up things that you enjoy about your relationship and your connection and say, like, it would sound something like, hey, I you know, I feel like we're, we're such a good couple in this way and this way. And I love when we do this together. I have so much fun with you. I'm so attracted to you, but I just, I feel like we're, we're, we don't have the same connection in our sex life. And I'm trying to figure out why, like, do you have any ideas why? Um, and that way you're, you're starting out coming from this place of like, Hey, we're, we're a strong couple or, Hey, I enjoy being with you. Um, and I want to make this part better. You know, instead of starting out with, hey, this sucks about our lives together. (laughs) It's a very different, it sets a very different tone, right? So yeah, I I would start with that and see how that goes.
Um, next question. What to do when wife discourage, discourages discussion, shames me, and assumes I'm a pervert for basic needs? Yeah, everyone's needs are different. So just because someone has wants sex often, like every day or twice a day, does not mean they're a pervert. And I think it's horrible that couples are labeling each other that name in an offensive way. Um, it definitely sounds offensive. And I, I would say in this case, you, ne- you need to set a boundary and make sure that you're not spoken to um, in this way, in a way that makes you feel shame and makes you feel, and, and being labeled a pervert. You know, I don't know if she's straight up calling you names, but that's, that's not right. And you have to ask yourself, you know, do I want to be with someone who makes me feel shame and calls me names and doesn't even allow discussion to be had around this topic? Um, and I think that, you know, it takes two to have a conversation that's effective in a situation like this. And it could be really hard, especially if the relationship is years down the road, right? It's very hard to change after years and years. It's very possible, but it's, it's much more difficult down the road because you get used to each other's ways. And then, you know, you ask for something and your partner's like, yeah, okay. Um, and it becomes more of a joke and a mockery sometimes if you don't have strong communication together. So the fact that she doesn't want to communicate, um, I also don't know what your idea of communication looks like. So I can't blame this all on her. But I do believe that you need to set boundaries around the importance of the importance of this discussion and for your sex life, in order for your sex life to get better, you guys need help. So you either need to go to see a therapist to help you talk to each other more effectively to have these discussions or be the mediator within these discussions. And if you continue to try to find other outlets to help you guys and she shuts them down immediately and won't even bat an eye at any opportunity for for positive change here, then you have to question whether or not you want to remain in this relationship. And and you have to showcase the importance of this and and maybe even set, you know, you might even you might even have to get to the point of setting some sort of ultimatum where it's like, hey, I care about you, I wanna I wanna be with you, but I can't I can't be in a sexless relationship. And um and if this continues and you continue to make fun of me or call me a pervert and that can and discourage any conversation I bring up around this topic that's really weighing heavily on my mind because it's important to me, like if you continue to shut this down, I'm going to have to walk away. You know, like we need help or I need to walk away. So it does get to that point where it's like you have to decide is have you made all the effort possible to get help? so that you can work it out with your partner? Or are they just 100% not willing to even look for other outlets of help? And that's when it comes to making a tough decision, but you still have a decision. So it's a, it's a choice, right? So yeah, I would say start there. I, I really think it really seems like you guys need an outside source of help. What if you ask your partner questions and they don't really have any answers? I feel like this this is a really common one. I have so many I have so many um, people who tell me they ask their partner things, and their partner is just straight up like I don't know, <laughs> like, and it just ends there. And then it's like, oh shit, okay, <laughs> I guess the conversation's done. Um, 
I would say, I would say it's a matter of helping your partner. I mean, that's what I would do with my partner is, is be like, well, what do you think? You know, like if you had to answer it, what, what would you come up with or what comes to mind immediately? You know, it doesn't have to be something set in stone, but like what's going on in your head right now when I ask you that. Um, and it's, it's kind of an encouraging way to help them think without feeling like they're put on the spot because you're kind of helping them brainstorm and not just throwing them up on a stage where they can get performance anxiety and feel like they might answer the question wrong. You know, sometimes we just, especially when it comes to conversations we're not so secure about or comfortable having, um, it can feel really easy to just want to shut it off, shut it down and be like, I don't know, like moving on. Let's, I don't want to talk about this because we're not comfortable. So what helps us to be comfortable and what helps your partner be comfortable is if they have options for answers to kind of help them out, to, to brainstorm it and think it through. Um, and, and they really build a lot of trust and safety with you when you're able to do that. You know, I know for me, when I'm trying to think about something like my partner might ask me questions like, well, what are you like, what about this? And like, what if you tried this and have you ever thought about this? And then it kind of just guides me in a direction because he's helping me out. And I think that if we, if we did that more and, and not that this is up to men to do this more, but I'm saying like whoever, whoever wants to have a conversation and is more comfortable talking about it, I think automatically has some responsibility to kind of lead that conversation, you know, because it's more in our comfort zone and it's more important to us. I know if something's more important to me, I'm going to most likely be the one to start the conversation and hold that person to the conversation whether it be with my sister, my mom, like my partner, it doesn't matter. It's like when something's important to us, it, we, we kind of take on that role of like, all right, I'm going to get answers to this question because I need them. They're very important to me versus maybe to the other person, they're not important or as important because they don't see the importance. They're not comfortable. So this is why it's good to have the thought process of like, let me help them brainstorm it through. And I think that could be a really good way to think about it. Get curious and help them brainstorm. Next question. Should I discuss my sexual past with my partner? Yes or no? And I think there's another question here too that was like, how do I ask her her number? I think that's what it was, like her, her number of sex, past sex partners. And really it's kind of like, what's the, why? <laughs> like what's the reason for that, really? I know that sometimes it does impact your future relationships, but most of the time it doesn't. For for example, if you've had really serious sexual trauma in a certain environment or a certain sex position, and you don't ever want to get to the point of being in that, let's, let's use the example of a sex position. If you don't ever want to experience that position again, then I think it, it would be it would be beneficial to share that with your partner because it's a part of your past that scarred you and it's very important to you that that doesn't throw you back into a trauma state. So I think it's it's responsible of you to communicate that with a sex partner. That's when I see it beneficial of having a discussion with your partner. If something like that is the case where it can really damage your future relationships. Um, I don't think that a number has, I think it, when I hear guys wanting to know their woman's number, all I think about is insecurity around like, all right, well, if she's had only a few, 
you know, that makes me feel better about myself as a man. If she's had a, a ton, you know, then I have all this competition. Now I'm no more anxious in my head. And like, you know, maybe it's, I got to show her that I'm better. And it becomes like this insecure ego thing that isn't really healthy and doesn't really, there's no need for it. You know, there's, for the majority of the part, time, there's no need. And if it's for safety reasons, then a better question would be, when was the last time you were tested for STIs? Or have you ever had an STI? Um, those would be the questions you'd want if it's around safety, not what's your number. Or tell me about your past sexual past. All right, next question. This is from a woman. Porn seems to be a reoccurring thing for him right before sex. Does that mean I no longer turn him on? Um, If it's a reoccurring thing and it seems like he's relying on it in order to get turned on, I would say that that's most likely a problem and something that um, you want to talk about. Because if if he needs to turn to porn in order for him to get to get turned on and he's using that more than he is um, having sex and being intimate with you as his partner, then that could damage your relationship. So I would definitely say that you want to um, you want to talk to him about this. And we don't want to go down the shaming road of being like, hey, like this is unhealthy, this is fucked up, because that's probably what you're gonna wanna say, right? Um, if you bring this up and get upset. But what you really want to do is is call out like, hey, I don't, I don't think this is, you know, it doesn't seem healthy to me. And it, it makes me concerned that um, you're, you're having to rely on, on certain visuals in order to get sexually stimulated. But I would love if we can create that stimulation together without you needing porn to do it. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that whenever we have sex, you, we can just get into it instead of watching porn and see what he has to say. And if you come from that place of like caring about him and caring about the situation as a whole and wanting to um, make some progress together in terms of not using the porn and changing what sexually excites him as a stimulus, I think that that could be a, a good first approach. All right, next question. All right, how do I tell her I think of her fucking other guys turns me on? All right, the fact that you're asking me how do I tell her, it's, it seems like you're hesitant to tell her. Um, I know that I would be comfortable enough to just tell my partner that straight up and feel fine about it if that were the case, like if there was a situation like that that I felt. So the fact that you're asking, how do I tell her? It seems like there's a part of you that that thinks you maybe shouldn't tell her. And I think a lot of us feel like in order to, to have good sex communication, we have to tell our partner everything that's going on in our head when really we don't, <laughs> you know? Like if you, if you think of her fucking other guys and it turns you on, that necessarily doesn't have to be something you share with her. That can be for your own pleasure in your own head. She doesn't have to know. And if you feel like you're not stable enough in your sex communication to share that, then it might be better to just keep that to yourself because it doesn't, at this point, it might only hurt the relationship. 
But I mean, if you're having a sexy conversation and you're sharing things about each other that are that match this this type of truth um, or this type of thought, and you want to throw it out there at that point in time because you are having this this type of conversation, then that's the best time to to put that out there. You know, um, maybe when you're drunk and you're like, "Hey, have you ever done this sexually? Like, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? What's the craziest thing you've ever wanted to do? What's the craziest thought you've had in your head about sex? And is there any like crazy thing that gets you you think about that gets you turned more turned on about me? And then gauge where she's at in terms of answering these types of questions. And if you feel like there's a comfort level there, then you can ask, you can tell her this. You know, but you really have to gauge your partner and you have to also understand that just because you have thoughts doesn't mean they have to be shared with your partner um, unless it pertains to your relationship as a whole. And it's, you know, it's absolutely necessary to share. Okay, let's do a couple more. Okay, so when it comes to sex communication, why is the fear of it so crippling? The fear of sex communication. It's, it's because you haven't done it enough. You know, whenever we haven't done something where you've had a bad experience in the past and or both of those things, you know, it, it could be many things, but I think a lot of guys have had um, reactions from women that they valued so highly, maybe based on their physical attraction, which a lot of men tend to do. Like they, they place this huge amount of value on women simply for their physical beauty. And when these women say certain things, it, these men allow these women to, to diminish their manhood and how they feel as a man and how confident they feel as a lover. So if you've had a few bad experiences, even two experiences could really make you feel like, fuck, I never want to talk about sex again because God forbid that happens again. And I was just, I was talking on my uh, BJ masterclass, the how to get more BJs and get her in a sexy mood last night. Um, and I was saying that you, you guys can't, I went on this whole rant about how you guys can't allow a woman, especially just because she's beautiful, like you can't allow women to make you feel less of a man based on something they say. That should never diminish your manhood. Because, and when it comes to rejection, especially, if, if every time she says no, it makes you feel less of a man, then you're eventually just going to give up, right? Because you're going to be like, well, she, if she does this again, she's going to change who I am as a person. Why are her words and her decision changing who you are as a person and as a man and the way you feel about yourself? That shouldn't be a thing. And that doesn't have to be a thing. And you can look at that rejection as a sense of strength where it's making you stronger because now whenever you're rejected, you, you have to figure out why this is happening. Not every time, but if it's a continuous rejection, it takes a matter of strength to be like, all right, I need to confront her with this and have a conversation. We need to figure this out. We need to work as a team. And I got to think about what to say to her to get her on board as, as how we're going to handle this as, as a team, as a couple. And that makes you a stronger communicator. We only become stronger when we're, when we're put into tough situations, right? Think about any situation in your life. When you were put through a, t- a tough circumstance and you came out stronger, whether it was in the gym, whether it was with your finances, with 
with relationships, with friends or family, you know, a health situation you had to face, you came out stronger because you were put through some, through a little battle, you know? And we have to think of it that way. And we also have to think of, I was also talking about this in the masterclass. We have to think of argue, like conflicts, not as something that's bad, but as a potential way of making, creating a stronger bond within our relationship with our partner. Conflict is actually an opportunity to grow together and to build together and to create sexual desire together. Because when you see a conflict and you take it and handle it, that's a man, you know, like that's a man, a man who sees something and it's like, no, let's work through this. Like we got to work through this. We, we can do this. Um, here are my ideas. I want to hear yours. Let's do this together. Come on, let's do this. That's you seeing a conflict and wanting to work through it and wanting to work with your partner. And when, when you guys come out on the other side of that, just think about how much more bonded you'll be together because you dealt with a hardship together. And you came out of it. And a lot of this opportunity can be found within rejection. And it's about facing the fear and doing it anyway. Feeling like, all right, this is scary. This feels weird. But if you don't do it often, of course it's going to feel scary and weird. Just like everything else in life. You know? But it's a matter of trusting yourself that you can work through it and you could find a way. And this is an opportunity to build your character to build who you are as a man, to strengthen your relationship and come out on the other side where you are more desiring each other and you are more trusting of each other. So I hope that helps and spoke to some of you guys. All right, next question. Our sex is good, but what could make it better? All right, this is a really great question because I feel like a lot of people when their sex is good, they just stop there and they're like, all right, it's good. We're good. We don't need to think about it. And then, and then they eventually lose it because they don't intention, they're not intentional about it anymore, right? So I really love that this question is coming from someone who's, who feels like their sex life is good, but they want to improve. Um, what I would say to this is, I think this is a great question to ask your partner. And first of all, to ask yourself and, and say like, all right, if it was like 1% better, I like this question. If it was 1% better, what would be different? What would we do? What would we not do? You know, what would we do more of? What would we do less of if it were 1% better? And that's a really great way of thinking about it in terms of better because then you're not feeling overwhelmed um, and it's just like, what's the very next step? And that's how us, that's how we as humans work best, you know? It's like, what's the next smallest step that seems very attainable and sustainable? And that's usually the way to go. So that's what I would ask yourself. And then when you come up with an idea, I would bring it up to your partner and then ask her, like, what do you think? What do you think would make it 1% better? What can I do more of? What can I do less of? What can we do more of? What can we do less of? However you want to word it, but I think that's a good place to start there. Um, this is a really interesting one. How much should someone read into things said during sex? Are they true? All right, so... <laughs> I mean, just as when you're having sex and... 
Um, maybe your partner likes to get smacked really hard in the ass. It's, it's because her pain tolerance is much higher because her arousal is higher, right? And that's what arousal does. I, I, I would relate that the same way to, um, to what's being said. You know, we, we say things, we're more likely to say things in an aroused state that, that just comes from a place of wanting to be more aroused and turned on. And it's what the aroused version of us finds sexy in that moment for whatever reason. So um, I wouldn't say it's to be taken seriously always. Um, it depends on what's being said. You know, I know I... S- <laughs> Here we go with my personal life examples. Um, I know that something that turns me on is saying something to my partner that I don't want to happen in real life. Um, and it's more just playing that fantasy. And he knows very, very well that it's not something I want in real life because we have discussions about it. So I think that when you're, when you're very clear in your communication outside of actual sex versus in sex, I mean, during sex, you can feel a lot more comfortable um, just saying whatever goes and your partner knows what's the truth and what's play. Um, so it's really based on general communication. How, how much are you communicating and how much do you really know about your partner outside of the bedroom so that when you are in the bedroom, you know what's, what's genuine and you know what's play talk or just dirty talk that's fitting into the moment. And if you're unsure, because there will be times when you're a little unsure, so after sex is the best time to get that feedback of saying like, hey, by the way, when you said this, um, do you really mean that? Like, do you, do you really feel that way? Or was that just like part of the play? Uh, and just asking and just being curious. So I think that's a good way to go about that. <clears throat> um, someone said no questions, but how to build a sex room on Netflix sparked a lot of interesting conversations with wifey. Yeah, guys, definitely check that out. <clears throat> um, I watched the whole thing in like at night, (laughs) how to build a sex room on Netflix. It is the coolest show ever. The host is the funniest woman. She's like this woman in her seventies. Oh my God. She's amazing. She's so talented. She's hilarious. She makes more sex jokes than I do. (laughs) She is incredible. And the rooms are gorgeous and they will inspire you and they will make you laugh. Oh my God. The show is just great. Um, it will make you laugh. It will make you resonate with these partners who talk about their personal sex lives and their kinks. It's really, really cool. So go check it out. How to build a sex room on Netflix. Um, I really love it. And if you guys watch it, or if you're going to watch it, the, the all black room with the two gay guys, um, they, they have my favorite room. (laughs) Like, so just a little insider. If I was to pick any of the rooms, it would be the all black room um, with, the, with the gay guys who have the best taste ever. Like, oh my God, I want them to design my future home. <laughs> like, I'm on, I guess I want her to design my future home and not make the whole home a sex room. Or maybe, I don't know, that sounds fun. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. Okay. Um, okay, next question. Are there things I can do to make myself more comfortable talking with my wife about our sex life? Um, You need to get really clear before you talk to her about what you want to talk about. 
I think a lot of us just jump into conversations we're uncomfortable with and we're like, all right, here goes. And then, <laughs> and then we're with the person and we're like, so we need to talk about this. And the person's just totally thrown off. Like our partner will be totally thrown off. And they're like, okay. And then they're like waiting for you to start the conversation. And you're like, yeah, so this is bad. <laughs> like you really don't have any direction because you're not totally sure what you want to be discussing. So I think what's, what's the most important thing is to first like sit with yourself a little bit and figure out, all right, if I do have this conversation, then what do, what do I need to know? Like, what's the purpose of this specific conversation? And what I said in the masterclass was like, come up with one question to ask so that you get at least one specific answer and you feel like you're at least 1% progress. And that will make you more comfortable because if you've kind of rehearsed a little bit yourself, then it feels like, all right, I've already thought through the one question I want to ask and why it's important to ask it. And I had like an imaginary talk in my head preparing for this. I spent 10 minutes thinking on it and now I'm going into the conversation a little prepared. So I think just by preparing yourself and thinking it through on your own before you bring it up to your partner, it's going to show your partner once you're in that conversation that you have a lot more confidence around the topic, that you have some sense of direction. Um, you know what answer you're, you're looking for, or you know what question you're, you're asking. So it's more clear on what answer she needs to give because you have a very specific question. Um, so yeah, so I think let's just say like mental prep, like you prepping and knowing that preparation is, is key for most things in life, right? We feel best when we're, more, when we're more prepared and that makes us feel more comfortable. So start there. But all right, guys, those are all the questions I'm answering today. I hope this was helpful. I will continue doing Q&As on my Instagram. So definitely follow me on Instagram if you don't already at Steph Ganowski. And also... Um, just to note, I'm going to be doing weekly Instagram lives, okay? So I'm going to hop on an Instagram live every night on Tuesday. Next week's IG live is around you if you last too long, all right? So the topic is last too long, let's talk about it. So if you're, if you're feeling challenged with DE, delayed ejaculation at this point in your life, this is going to be a good live for you to listen to. And um, just keep on the lookout for it. It's going to be next Tuesday at some point, Eastern time in the evening, but I'll give you updates on Instagram for sure. So follow me on Instagram. Thanks for listening to this. And I hope you have an amazing morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. Talk to you soon. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.